I believe our nation needs the church to experience revival, but I don't believe revival is something that we come to. I believe it's something that we carry. And so we're going to raise up and impart and activate some revivalists on tonight, and it's going to be like fire shot up in your bones. Some of y'all been saved for a long time. You better get your love back. You better get your passion back. Go ahead and tell your neighbor you're in the right place tonight. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, if you can go there with me very quickly. There's a story that Jesus is speaking, and it's, um, he really begins to talk about worry. And I believe there's many of us that deal with worry. I know that I do because whenever we do spiritual gift assessments, I always score high in the gift of faith. I'm a faith guy. I love faith. What I found out is that my Achilles heel or my weakest moment is also that I have a tendency to also be high in worry because those two things operate on the same spiritual platform. Worry is your ability to see the worst thing happening. Faith is your ability to see the best thing happening. So for those of you all who are faith people, you gotta make sure to keep worry underneath your feet. Matthew 6, 25, he says, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. That's a word already. You don't have to worry about what's going on in our nation and in our land, because God got you. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor your body, what you're going to put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Meaning that, does your worry, has it ever done you any good? Has your life ever gotten better by worrying? No. So why do we worry? Right? He says, well, it doesn't add one cubit to your stature. Why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. Yet I say to you that Solomon in all of his glory, he wasn't arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And so he begins to address the problem is that their faith is little. And what I've learned is if worry goes high, faith goes low. But when faith goes high, worry goes low. It operates on a paradigm that way. So he's speaking to their faith to kind of combat their worry. And then he says, don't worry, saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? And the principle, I like to extend it, don't worry about the economy. Don't worry about who's in office. Don't worry about the pandemic. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about your career or your job because God got it all under control. For all these things the Gentiles seek, and y'all know the Gentiles in the Old Testament time were those who were not of the Jewish faith here in the New Testament time as those who do not have a relationship with Jesus, okay? And so, you know, we're children of God, and we know that the Gentiles, they seek a lot of stuff. You know, they like a lot, they like a lot of stuff. They seek a lot of stuff, and he says... Um, for your heavenly father, he knows that you need all these things. I like to say it this way, that God knows what you need. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, God knows what you need. And I found out that God knows what you need better than you know what you need. Some of you all are single and you think you need to be married this year, but don't marry the wrong person. With somebody who's done that before, say amen. I'm sorry, I just got to keep it real up in Calvary tonight. But I love verse 33 because it's the operating verse. Watch this. It says, but seek first Whew. the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. Come on, church. And all these things, what's that? The things that the Gentiles have been seeking, the things that they really want, but they never get it because it's only found in God. The principle is the things that you've been seeking. How many of you all have been seeking anything from God, even good things? Some of you all have been seeking a new job. You've been seeking a new home. You've been seeking a healing. You've been seeking more peace. You've been seeking something. He says, all these things will be added unto you if you get the first part of this verse right, to seek first the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, I love the Word of God. Anybody here love the Word of God? I know you love the Word of God on this cold Friday night in Calvary Church. Amen. To me, the entire Bible is good for us. It's good for instruction. It's good for direction. It's good for impartation. It's good for edification, which simply means to build us up. And even though I love the entire Bible, and I believe it's all the Word of God, it's all sharper than a two-edged sword. It all can build us up, and, and, and it's all holy and good. If I was honest with you, there are some parts of the Bible that speak to me a little bit louder than others. For example, sometimes I read Leviticus, and I think, what am I doing over here in Leviticus? I know that it's holy. You know what I mean? I know that it's good. I know that it's the Word of God. But what I mean is at the, at the end of a long day, I don't run to Leviticus. And so the Bible... I love all of it, but there are certain things from the Bible. Anybody here have certain verses that speak to you? Anybody here have certain life verses, certain things that in the midnight hour when you're going through a dark place, you just run over here and you have the word hidden in your heart for a time as such. There's just some things about the Bible. There's certain passages that speak to my right now. It speaks to my 2022. It gives me direction that I really need. And um, there's two covenants in the Bible. Old Covenant, New Covenant, 66 books in total, 31,102 verses in the Bible. But one of my life verses is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and there's something about this verse that speaks to me. I've been marked by this verse as a verse that I use to build my life upon, and my hope is that somebody tonight will be marked by it as well. If you could pull it back up, Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Come on, church. And all these other things shall be added unto you. And the powerful part of the verse is really the action part that it requires for us to take. I believe that God wants to add some things to you this year, but it's going to require the second and the third word of the verse. You have to seek first. Seek first. Seek first. Not second, third, or fourth. But you have to seek first. Everybody say, seek first. When it's inconvenient, seek first. When it's uncomfortable, when people don't understand your faith, no matter what you go through, seek speaks the passions. First speaks the priorities. On the inside of Matthew 6.33 is the key that you need to see all these other things that you've been seeking added unto you. It's passions and it's priorities. And I know that many of us who are here tonight, we have big dreams. Let me see by a show of hands if you guys have a big dream in your heart. You feel God has a calling on your life. You're believing God to move the mountains this year. You're believing God for an open heaven this year. You got some things you're believing God to do. 
I believe this is the right church. I believe you're the right group of people to set a fire in Chicago that's going to touch the nations of the world. Does anybody believe that tonight? I don't believe that God has connected you to this house. There's obviously an anointing that's here just to waste time. But even though you have a big dream, and I really believe that this could be your best year ever, if it's your best year spiritually, I don't believe you will see that dream come to pass if you don't have right priorities. Are y'all with me today? God doesn't want to be second, third, or fourth in our lives. He wants to be number one. Some of us, we spend more money on golf than we do our kids. It's not that we're evil or bad people. It's just that our priorities are out of order. Is this thing on? Are y'all listening to me tonight? It's amazing. The married people, the married couples that are going through problems in their marriage, and they will go and find another married couple going through problems in their marriage and get advice from somebody that obviously don't know what they're doing instead of coming to the house of God or going through Christian counseling. And it's not because you're evil. It's just your priorities are out of order. You will be amazed of how many movies people can watch. You got Hulu, Disney Plus, and Netflix. Your screen time is off the hours, but can't consistently spend 15 minutes a day in God's word, in God's presence. And it's not because you're evil, it's just that your priorities are out of order. God doesn't want to be second this year, third or fourth. He wants to be numero uno. Come on, somebody. Matthew 6.33 is a life verse for me. And if you say, Pastor Ken, well, how do I put God first? You have to put him first in what I call the three T's. Y'all know what they are. Time, talent, and treasure. Because what I found out is that anybody can say, oh, yeah, I put God first because talk is cheap. And God doesn't want us just to talk the talk. He wants us to walk the walk. It doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you do. Can I get any help in this place tonight? And if you're here and you're like, okay, well, how do I put God first? Because obviously it's going to unlock some things being released from heaven on my behalf. You got to put God first in your time. Somebody shout time. So how do you put God first in your time? Go home tonight after revival. Get out your Google calendar or whatever you got your schedule on. Y'all do manage your time, right? Okay, whatever. And I want you to wipe it clean. And I want you to start over. Because what many people do is you work one job, two jobs. You drive Uber and Lyft and flip cryptocurrency in the evening. And then say, I ain't got time for church. And I ain't got time for group. And I ain't got time for that. And that's not true. He's just not a priority yet. And you can see it in your schedule. So what you do is go home and wipe it all clean. And the first thing you put on your schedule is your personal time with God. We call it the first 15. Five minutes of the word, five minutes of worship, five minutes of prayer. And if you've already done that, do 30 minutes or 60 minutes. Do whatever you got to do. But everybody got at least 15 minutes where I need time with God daily. Then what do you do? Then you put your Sunday time on there. Because we're not going to forsake the assembly of ourselves together as some do as we see the day approaching. What Hebrews 10, 25 really means that is, is if as it becomes closer that Jesus is coming back, we need to be coming to church more. Nobody's saying nothing. And then you put a midweek because you need a small group. You need something. I don't know what y'all got around here, but you need that. Then you go and build everything else on top of that, not the other way around. That's what it means to put God first in your time. What does it mean to put God first in your talent? Somebody shout talent. Some of y'all can sing. 
Oh my God. Some of y'all can do videos, you do photography, you do always taking people's pictures at weddings. And if we pay you, you will do that till 1 a.m. in the morning. But when we say, you know what, can you do that in the church as unto the Lord? You say, well, I ain't got time to serve right now. But God gave you that gift. He gave you that voice. He gave you that ability. He gave, come on church, he gave you that perspective. And what 1 Peter says is that the gifts that you receive, you should use them to serve others, not make money. We ain't got a problem with you making money. Please make money, but please put your priorities in order. And the last one is the big one because we got to put them first in our treasure. Somebody shout treasure. You know what that means. That means that you should tithe and give to God first, not second, third, or fourth. Now, I've been in ministry for 20 years. I've been a pastor for 15 years and preached the gospel around the world, literally. And I hear the same thing from God's chosen people. They say, but I just can't afford to tithe. And they say it in a humble way, like, like I should feel bad. Like, oh, I'm so sorry that you can't. But the truth is, is that we all can afford to tithe if he was our number one priority. The reason that we say we can't afford to tithe, but we still go get our hair cut, you still got your nails done, come on, you still got that Planet Fitness a membership, you got your kids in private school, you get that $7 cup of Starbucks every single day, and then you come to God's holy house and say, I can't afford to tithe because you go and spend all your money on you when God says, I don't want to be on the bottom of your budget, I want to be on the top of your budget, and if you seek first the kingdom of God come on somebody I'm not preaching theory tonight listen when my wife and I first got married we had over a hundred thousand dollars of debt I'm not talking about house loans neither I'm talking about gorilla on your back wake you up in the middle of the night debt. by the fourth year of our marriage boy from the mountains it wasn't Virginia it's West Virginia and West Virginia is an actual state some people act like it's the western part of Virginia no it's a doggone state which people understand it's the mountaineers Four to five years tithing, putting God first. Our combined income was over $700,000 for the year. And it wasn't, it was, you say, Pastor, why were you so successful? Well, I owned a real estate company, et cetera, et cetera. But I owned it years before it became successful. I was successful because I put and seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. And then all these other things, some of y'all ain't a believer tonight. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Okay, can I do this? Can I show you? My, one of my first business cards. It's the most ratchet thing you've ever seen in your life. Don't, don't laugh at me. I'm sensitive. Can you put my business card up real quickly? I need people to see this, okay? It's pretty bad, I know. Like, we look broke. Look at us. I mean, we just, when you take the prom picture, you know, this is painful. Like, the picture's actually taken in Walmart. We didn't have the money to go to a, a professional photographer, you know, and look how we look older back then. It's like the anointing, it refreshes you. You got to get anointed, praise God. Uh, and then you go into Walmart and back at, y'all remember floppy A disc? Isn't that a blast from the past? They would give you a floppy A disc with your ratchet picture on it. And you would go into Walmart and like, hey, I want to get my picture taken. And they would say, okay, well, we got a winter background. We got a spring background. We went with, with the fall edition, praise God. But what I want to bring your attention to is our slogan. 23 years old, I had enough sense that I wanted to put God first. To, I put it on my business card. I'm not suggesting you do that because that's ultra spiritual and a little cheesy because I want to deal with saved and unsaved people to get them saved and their money is green. 
But I want you to know that at 23 years old, I was drawing a line in the sand. That I had done it my way, now I'm going to do it God's way. And when you seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things, everything else that you really desire, God begins to release that to you. Does anybody believe the words coming out of my mouth tonight? Come on, y'all. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We're going somewhere tonight. But Matthew 6.33 doesn't just speak to priorities. It also speaks to passions. Somebody shout passion. And in the beginning of Matthew 6, 33 is this four-letter word. And this year, I want you to give me back those other four-letter words to give you a better four-letter word. I'm not looking at you because you know who you are. I want you to give me those other four-letter words back, and I'm going to give you an anointed four-letter word, and it is the word seek. And there's something that's so powerful when the believer sets themselves to seek. What does it mean to seek? It means to go after. Somebody say to go after. To press for. Somebody say to press for. To drive forward. Somebody say to drive forward. Have you ever went after something that you really wanted? Seek is the posture, the position, and the passion of the heart. If I had to give you a synonym for the word seek, it would be pursue. Somebody say pursue. Pursue. And I want to talk to you in this last segment about passionate pursuit. Okay? I was a Christian atheist for about 10 years of my life. I define that as a person who believes in God but lives like he doesn't exist. Have you ever been there before? Where you believe in God, but nobody knows you would you a Christ follower. If you were to ask me any time over that 10-year span, hey Ken, do you seek God first? I would have said, quite certainly I do. I pray over my food. I pray before I go to bed at night sometimes. I go to sleep, weather permitting, and if I'm not too drunk from the night before, do you seek God first? I would have said, of course I seek God first, but now looking back, I was lying to myself. What was missing? Passionate pursuit. And why did I lack passionate pursuit? I don't know exactly, but I believe that the churches that I was attending at the time taught me to be passive subconsciously, and I didn't even know it. Some of you all who are here, you come from churches that have taught you to be passive, but you don't even know it. I believe the law of destination starts with location. You have to locate where you are to see where you're about to go. Sometimes when you come into worship and everybody's dancing around and you look at them and say, oh, look at what they do, but you never think about doing that yourself, you probably come from an atmosphere where being passive is accepted. And, you know, passive people, they say stuff like, well, you know, I don't think it take all that. Or they say stuff like, well, you know, right now I got a lot going on. And, you know, me and God, we got a deal right now. God knows my heart. That's the language of the passive. It's not the language of the passionate. All right. And God is looking in this day and in time, not for us just to be people who come to church, but we are the church and we have a level of passion and fervor about us. All right. Many of us know what it means to be um, passionate. Um, How many of you all have ever been passionate? Any any of you all ever pursued something passionately before? Okay. Um, For example, Tabitha and I have been married 22 years, but when I first met her, I'm talking about the first week, somehow I found out where she worked at. (laughs) Just the first week, somehow I found out. We were going to West Virginia University 
and she was working the overnight graveyard shift, midnight to 6 a.m. at Starnaker Hall, a dormitory, overnight security, okay? We just met, had our first date. I knew her boss. His name was Raphael. He was an exchange student from Africa. I go to Raphael, I say, Raph, I need a job. He said, where would you like to work? I, I'm over all these dormitories. I said, I don't know how, Starnaker Hall. He says, um, okay, what shift would you like to work? I said, well, I don't know, maybe the midnight to 6 a.m. shift? <laughs> this is a true story. He says, um, I just hired a girl named Tabitha there. I said, oh, really? Well, it's, it's okay, I'll take that one. I walk in to the dormitory that night. She's sitting at the front desk. I walk in the door and I said, what you doing here? <laughs> She's sitting there, she says, I'm working here. What are you doing here? I said, Go figure that. I work here now, too. <laughs> True story, y'all. This is how we fell in love. Midnight to 6 a.m. every single night, acting dumb, talking, talking, talking. Now, some of y'all will call that stalking. There is a thin line between stalking and passionate pursuit. Come on, somebody. There's a thin line. But y'all know what I'm talking about. When you want what you want, you'll do whatever you got to do to get what you want. You say, Pastor, what's the difference? 22 years of marriage. That's what the difference is. That's all I can say about that. Come on. Let's talk about how you feel when, when certain things that you really want that you got to go after. Have you ever lost your cell phone before? Uh, no, no, think about it for a minute. How does that make you feel? Is, you'd rather lose an arm than lose a cell phone nowadays. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> Has anybody seen my cell phone? You know, I mean, you're tearing up the couch. You tell everybody in the house, would you call my phone? Shh. And you're walking around like, does anybody hear it? <laughs> right? But think about how you feel, and you will do whatever you got to do until you get what you want. Passionate pursuit. Let's take it higher. Have you ever lost your debit card? Now, you can lock your cell phone, you know, but your debit card in your mind, somebody's on a, on a spending spree. You just see them at Macy's. You just, you know, and then you, the number's on the back of the card. Now you got to Google it to try to cut it off, and you're like, I ain't got time for that. And you're thinking, think about how you feel when you lose a debit card. I mean, you're in your car up under the seat. You're looking at all your pant pockets. Could it come out in the washing machine? Is it somewhere stuck in the dryer? You're going to passionately pursue that debit card until you got it because you understand how important and how valuable it is. Let's take it higher. Have you ever lost a kid at an amusement park before? <laughs> Anybody here ever lost a kid at an amusement park? A couple of y'all, what are y'all doing? What are you doing? Oh my God, but think about how you feel. You're like, oh my God, I, I lost my kid, right? You go to the security office, you put an APB out, like where in the world? You're standing at the front of the park, watching other people making sure they're not leaving with your kid, right? You run around, hey Johnny, Johnny, Maria, Jose, you know this is a multicultural ministry, I got a Pookie, Ray Ray, are you? Where are you? Right? You do whatever you got to do to get what is important to you. That's how you're supposed to pursue Jesus.
come on Calvary that's how you're supposed to praise him that's how you're supposed to read your Bible that's how you're supposed to serve that's how you're supposed to give it is not passive it's passionate do I got any God chasers at the revival that is in this place tonight when the God chasers say so would you make some noise to the glory of God the Father oh I came to preach to passionate people tonight Watch this. In Proverbs chapter 25 and 2, it says this. It says, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. Leave that up. It is the glory of God to hide things from you. So I've learned over the years that God loves hide and seek. Not because he wants to keep something from you. He wants to develop the heart of pursuit in you. So God hides your breakthrough. He hides your healing. He hides your miracles to see if you'll seek him for it. And then he says, knock and it'll be open. Seek and you shall find. And some of your breakthrough is waiting on you. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Watch this one. It says, but without faith, y'all know this. It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a what? Rewarder of them that... How many of you all believe that our God is a rewarder? Come on, young people. How many of y'all believe our God is a rewarder? Listen, I've studied so many streams and denominations. I get it. There are Christians that just, they focus so much on the suffering of God and the carrying your cross. And yes, that's in the Bible. But God blessing us and promoting us and prospering us and rewarding us is also in the Bible. And don't just hang out over here and not get any of this over here. I am here to prophesy that the rewards of the Lord is coming your way this year. If you can get your priorities in order with anybody, anybody say amen to what I'm saying. But he is not just a rewarder. He is a rewarder of those who not seek him, but diligently. I'm talking about you about it, about it, Master P. I'm about my business. I got to be about my father's business. I am consistently in my pursuit. Proverbs 8, watch this one. Is it Proverbs 8, 17? And keep it up. It says, I love those who love me and those who seek me. There's that word again. Great day. Diligently. Will find me. Will find me. Will find me. Huh, that's sticking out to me tonight. Huh. Because sometimes it feels like God can't be found. You ever been through a season in your life where it feels like the voice of God is far? Okay, maybe I got the wrong crowd. You ever been through a season in your life where it feels like the presence of God is not around like it used to be? You know why that is? This is my opinion. I believe it's because you're growing up. When you first got saved, God was everywhere. Remember that first two years? It was like you pray in tongues, and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't believe I can do that. Lord Jesus. I mean, you get in the word of the Lord, you pray, and it falls. I mean, the fire just falls. You pray, and it happens. I mean, you pray for people. You don't even know what to pray. They get healed. It's crazy. <laughs> then the more you walk with Jesus, the more you're like, okay, God, where's, where's that again? Where, where's that at? You know, we just went through a, a, a cancer battle, and I've seen God heal cancer through our ministry. I've seen God move incredible mountains. I've seen God do so much stuff. But if I were to be honest with you, 
in the midnight hour, I had a temptation to get a little angry or a little bitter and just say, God, where are you? You know, my wife is the most holy person I ever met in my life. She fasts like every week. She does intermittent fasting, three-day fast, like on a weekly basis. She's vegan, she's organic, she's all that. I mean, she, she, she just is, she's that person. God, where are you? Take her pain away. God, I know that you are Jehovah Rapha. I've studied you, I know you. I've studied the church revivals all the way from Azusa Street. I know how you've moved from the early church all through the timetable of time. I know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God, I, got, I know who you are. And there was a temptation to get bitter. There's a temptation to get angry. But something in me just knew to still pursue. Something in me had enough history with God to say, I'm not going to get bitter or angry. I'm going to keep on pursuing. And what I found out is that when God seems far, or it seems like the presence of God is not there, it's not because God is rejecting you. It's actually an invitation to a higher level of pursuit. The devil would love for you to think that God doesn't love you, he's not real, and he doesn't move that way any longer. The devil is a liar. He has not ceased from being who he was in the early church on the day of Pentecost. Our God is the same. Don't believe the lie of the devil. It is not a rejection like natural daddies have rejected us. It is an invitation to higher levels of maturity. God is saying that you got history with me. You already know what I'm going to do and who I am. You don't need a new word. You need to regurgitate, regurgitate the old word. Do what I last told you to do. Worship me like you used to. Pursue me like you used to. Come after me like you used to. And so God is not rejecting us. He is calling us higher. Are y'all with me tonight? I want to pray for you guys tonight, but I'm going to give you one more scripture. Psalms 119. I love this one because it goes along with what you guys are doing. And I found out that this was a match, Pastor Marty. It says, and this is your scripture for the, for the revival. I seek you with all my heart. Come on, worship team. Do not let me stray from your commandments. I have hidden your word in my heart. Meaning that you're not going to have time when you're going through an evil day to go get the word. You need to have it already hidden in your heart. That I might not sin against you. Bring up the first part again. I seek you with all my heart. You ever been in a relationship with somebody before and they in, and they in the relationship half-hearted? Ain't nobody saying nothing. <clears throat> it's like they say they love you, but you can tell maybe not that much. Like they say they love, but they don't really want to commit. It's just like, it, it's almost like they're half-hearted. It's like they got one foot in the relationship and the other foot in what are the other possibilities. And I found out that so many Christians do the same thing with God. We are half-hearted in the relationship wanting full blessing. It's sometimes we want to do it the world's way. Sometimes we want to do it God's way. Sometimes we want to obey him. Sometimes we want to obey man. And I believe that God has called this revival so that we don't have half-hearted worship, not another day. But that we worship him with all of our heart, priorities and passions. Priorities and passions. Priorities and passions. 
priorities and passions. And I felt the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart as I was praying for you guys to give us an opportunity to get our priorities right and to give us an opportunity to get our passions right. If you don't mind, can you stand all over the building? Now, I'm a church junkie. I'm not like super churched, by the way. Grew up in a smaller Baptist church. Got spirit-filled in my early 20s when everything took off for me. My, work, my wife is completely unchurched. But I do love church history. I teach leadership classes and stuff like that. And I just love revivals. I mean, crazy revivals. Toronto Blessing, Brownsville Revival. I'm a church junkie. Azusa Street all the way up. Before Azusa Street, early church. Thousand years. I'm not going to go through church history. But what I'm saying is that as I've studied revivals, I found this one principle. That revivals come on the heels of repentance. Whenever there is oh my God, forgive me, God begins to move. As long as we hide in our sin or we hide in ways of unbelief and fear and all these other things, and I know that the last two years have been noisy. I've heard it. It's been noisy. But it's something about the believer that keeps our mind stayed on him that will keep us in perfect peace. And I felt like the Holy Spirit sent me all the way from Sunshine, Florida, to give us an opportunity on this Friday night to repent. Because revival comes on the heels of repentance. If you don't, just take my word for it. So I want to give you an opportunity to be reflective tonight. Can you just take a moment between you and your maker and just talk to him? And if you know that you've had the wrong priorities, was this message for anybody tonight? Anybody. <laughs> Let's get it right tonight, amen. <laughs> Let's get it right tonight. And so what I want you to do is I want you to turn this big old church into a huge prayer closet. If you want to come to the altar, come to the altar. Let's make this between you and God. If you want to go to the cross, go to the cross. If you want to get on your knees, get on your knees. If you want to get on your face, get on your face. Revival comes on the heels of repentance. Revival comes on the heels of repentance. Repentance is not just feeling bad. It is changing your mind and changing your direction. My priorities were wrong. I'm getting it right tonight. My passions were wrong. I'm getting it right tonight. I have pursued making six figures more than the giver of life. I have pursued getting married more than Jehovah Jireh to take care of my needs. Tonight, I get it right. God, I want to seek first the kingdom of God. If that's your cry, would you just take a moment? Would you get before God? Would you just talk to him? Would you just talk to him?
good to get some stuff off of our chest. Here's the thing, is that God will take our sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west and remember it no more. I'm on a no condemnation spree. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And I really feel like it opens the door to sickness and disease because we carry so much shame. And so can you just cast your shame at the feet of Jesus tonight? and say, man, God has forgiven you. He's actually, the blood of Jesus causes him to become absent-minded of yesterday. Man, there's new beginnings in the house tonight. There's fresh starts in the house tonight. Ooh, I sense praise in the house tonight. Can we just begin to shift it from repentance to praise? To, to, come on, can we begin to shift the atmosphere to passionate praise now? Okay, that chapter's done. We got it right. My priorities are in order. My passions are in order. Come on, my heart is in the order. Come on, let's begin to shift this thing into praise. Come on.
the house tonight? Listen, I'm not looking for your emotions, but I am looking for a revelation tonight. If God has been good to you, would you just dance in advance? Come on. Would you just praise God in a way that you might haven't before? Would you not give God a Baptist praise or a Presbyterian praise or a denominational or a Catholic praise? Would you give God a kingdom praise tonight? The Bible says, let everything that hath breath. If you're breathing, you should be praising. You can lift up your voice. Come on. You can lift up your hands. Come on. Let's Shabbat God. Let's Barak the Lord. Come on. God, we love you tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Give him the highest form of praise. Hallelujah. I see you move. Come on. Hey. You in the house I feel faith faith is in the house and it's the and it's the and it's the currency of the miraculous faith is in the house I believe the Holy Spirit is seeing our faith on a Friday night do I got anybody that walks by faith and not by sight do I got anybody that's not moved by the doctor's report because we know a doctor that's never lost a patient Hey, when's the last time you danced? Would you please prophesy to your neighbor and tell him, hey, late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around. It's gonna work in your Somebody needs that's a word for somebody tonight. Come on, sing it again. Late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around. It's gonna work in your face. That's real old school. 
Yo, you ain't too young with your hand in them. Now, here's the, here the deal. I can't sing, but I'm going to give you what I got tonight. <laughs> I know somebody old in church who can sing in this house. You need to come here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. I feel it in the atmosphere. You, come on. The Spirit of the Lord is here. He don't know it. Do you know it? Oh, yeah. Hold it right there. Oh, y'all better give a praise when we sing this song. Spirit of the Lord is here. again. Sometimes as believers, we feel like warfare is just prayer and fasting and ash cloth and so forth and so on, and let's just go harder. But the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we need to pray and we need to fast, but we need to laugh. Because laughter doeth good like medicine. And I watch so many comedians and so much stuff that was halfway not appropriate, but just trying to find a way, a way to laugh and access the joy of the Lord through our darkest times. So my hope for those of you all who are older than me is that you never lose your joy. There's medicinal purposes to laughter. You need a good, good belly laugh every day. You know. That's why some of the revivals, even though people would talk bad about them, there would be things like holy laughter. People just start laughing and stuff. And 
You know, people always talk negative about what they don't understand, but truthfully, I'd rather have holy laughter than holy depression or unholy depression. We can be depressed. Nobody get upset with that as soon as we start laughing. Oh, you see what they're doing over that revival. They just barking and making noises. I mean, Lord Jesus, I mean. <laughs> too much study. You've gone mad, Pastor Ken. I was reading Acts and never mind, too much Bible analogy. Um, I'm like, uh, for whatever reason, God gives me the word of knowledge. It's, it's, it's pretty good. It's not accurate all the time. But I see a lot of people get healed from the word of knowledge. And I'm going to call a couple of things out today. And if it bears witness with you, it's nothing that I can make up. It's just a, a grace of the Lord. And you just happen to be in the right place or watching online tonight. And I just want you to receive this. And so um, the Lord showed me that he wanted to heal some people tonight. And so let's just pray. Father, I thank you that healing belongs to us, that you bless our bread and water. You remove sickness from our midst. Revival comes on the hills of repentance. And so we've repented. We all in here, we good. But now also, as you study revivals, mass healings always happen. And so Jesus, heal, because that's who you are. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who healeth me. And so the Lord showed me, listen and receive. Um, and this is weird, but mesothelioma. And I know we see commercials about it, and I feel weird even saying it because I've seen the commercials, but if that's been your thing, I believe God's healing you tonight. So we send the word of healing to you right now. From the top of your head to the bottom of your, your feet, we command mesothelioma to leave your body now in Jesus' name, now in Jesus' name, now in Jesus' name. The Lord showed me someone having back pain, more like back spasms. If that's you, just put your hand right here. You don't have to earn this one, just receive it. We declare healing right now in Jesus' name, commanding back pain, back spasms. Leave right now in Jesus' name. We call you healed. The Lord showed me someone having a problem in their lung. I don't know if it's been the collapse of a lung, but it's been hard for you to breathe. I want you to start breathing now. Pray the wind of God begins to fill your lungs. The pneuma of the Lord, the healing power of God, we release it right now. And we command every disease, infirmity, and sickness, go right now. In Jesus' name. Mm. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. The Lord showed me vertebrae, and I'm not a doctor, but I can see which vertebrae it is. I don't know what number it is. There's been a problem. And I pray right now that God is removing the ailment and he's replacing what was wrong with what is right. We call you healed right now in Jesus' name. Healed right now in Jesus' name. Healed right now in Jesus' name. Hear the Lord say liver disease. Liver disease. Okay, so if you've been having a problem in your liver, whether God heals it or gives you a new liver, I prophesy and declare healing right now for you. We speak to your liver. We command it to be healed and whole and made new in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I hear the Lord say memory loss. Maybe things have been woozy. You've been forgetting things, and it's been frightening for you. We come against dementia. We come against 
signs of Alzheimer's. We come against things that will cause you to forget and we declare that God is making things new and that the number of your days you will fulfill, that no weapon that is formed against you will prosper in the name of Jesus. We call you healed right now in Jesus' name. And I'll be honest with you guys, when I pray this way, you would be amazed at some of the most simple things that people will call the pastor before we even get out of service and say, oh my God, my, my elbow is better. It's just such an amazing grace. And so, if, if, you, if you receive something tonight, can you just move a little bit, kind of do something you couldn't do before? You would feel like a wind of the Lord, maybe a heat on you. 50% of people feel something. Other people don't really feel anything at all, but you know some, sometimes you got to go to the doctor. Sometimes healing manifests immediately. Sometimes it's next week, next week. But, you know, I'm not even, I don't even want to talk to people who's receiving it by faith. If you know that something different happened just now, could you just lift a hand? I want to see what we're working with here. Okay. Okay, so you know what that means? That means that God is at work. Yeah. So sometimes when we're in thousands of people, you will be like, oh, why don't we see thousands of hands? But if you see 510, we ask God to do more. So that means that God is at work. See, the church has missed it because we see what we, we, we see numbers and then we get disappointed because we want to see more. But the way to get God to do more is to celebrate what he's doing. So when we celebrate what he's doing, then God will... Now y'all got the revelation. You got to begin to see what God is doing. The enemy wants you to focus on what he's not doing. You have to focus on what he is doing, okay? And so there's healing in this house. I sense it in my... Okay, so here's the deal. How many of you all have a bad doctor's report? You have pain in your body. You have sickness. You take medication. Because people are sick nowadays and they don't even know they're sick because they've gotten used to taking medicine. I believe God wants to heal somebody tonight. Can you lift your hand if that's you? Lift it up. Keep it up for a moment. Keep it up high for a moment. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to ask the people around me to join you, around you to join me. Um, keep your hand up. If somebody has their hand up, I need somebody to go and put your hand on their back. Put your hand on their shoulder. And we're going to declare the word of God over them. We're going to pray right now for healing to flow in this place. Make sure you get the people up in the balcony. Um, there was somebody up here. There's two guys up here. They got each other. Um, so look around, everybody. Look around. If you see somebody with their hand lifted, please. I need somebody just to go to them, and we're going to just declare the word of God. We're going to prophesy over your body, okay? Now, when you study healing in the Bible, they never ask God to heal. They released the, 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 the healing command. They said, rise and walk. They said, get up and be well. Take up your mat and walk. It was a prayer command. All right, healing was already done on the cross. Now we need it to manifest in your body. And so we declare in the name of Jesus that everything that is not right in your body line up with the word of God, that you were healed over 2,000 years ago. By his stripes, you were healed. And so we speak to every tissue in your body. We speak to every cell in your body. We speak to every ligament in your body. We speak to every organ in your body. And we command it to be healed now. Be healed now be healed now in Jesus name we declare that healing belongs to us Jesus was not just a sin atonement he was also a sick atonement you don't have to work for this one all you have to do is receive his grace right now so we release it the Bible says one to chase a thousand two can put ten thousand a flight we release the power of agreement in this house tonight glory to God that whom the Son sets free is free indeed we command every spirit of sickness and disease to leave 
leave this house and never return. We command every cancerous cell to dry up and fall off and fall out in the name of Jesus. We command every ailment, everything that is named must bow to the name of Jesus. Come on. There is power and authority in that name. And so from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, to the tips of your fingers and the tips of your toes, we command pain to leave, arthritis be gone, lupus dry up right now, diabetes be turned around, every curse be broken. We are heirs of God and we have the blessing of God on us right now. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done. Would you guys begin to turn that into some praise as we've received that tonight? Come on, let's turn it into some praise. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yeah, come on, let's turn it into a little more praise. Lord, we love you. We really do. Oh, we got our priorities and our passions right. Lord, we love you. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Am I okay, Pastor Martin? Okay. I want to pray over um, young people and also young adults because God is wanting to start something in you that touches the nations. Um, if, you're, if you're a young person or a young adult that would like for me to pray for you and you're believing God for revival to be start, started on the inside of you, you're believing God for a holy passion to be shot up in your bones, I want you to come to the front now. They're already up here, a lot of them, but if y'all, if you don't want me to pray for you, you can go back to your seat. That's a better question, but I'm looking for young adults. This generation might usher in the end time harvest of souls. And, and, and the thing about the generation that we live in is that we live in an information age where it's just like so much information, so much information. But you don't combat information with more information, you combat it with encounter. So you all, in your Christianity, carry the presence of God, the Kabbalah of the Lord, for you are modern day arcs of the covenant. You have the presence of God in you, the presence of God upon you. And sometimes when you have supernatural love and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are flowing, you don't need to debate about philosophy and intellectualism because people love to debate the Bible and the genealogy of Jesus and all that stuff is nonsense. The Bible says don't get into debates with people, get off social media, it doesn't matter. But when you have supernatural love and supernatural grace and supernatural power, you'll get unbelievers' attention. I want to pray for you guys. I think I'm going to come down here and pray for you. Everybody step back just a moment. I'm going to just pray for you guys. Pastor Marty, you can come with me if you want to, whatever you want to do. I'm just going to pray for you. You got ushers here? Just have somebody. Scott, do something. Just lift your hands to the Lord. I'm just going to touch you. I'm going to pray that something just gets activated. Thank you for fire shot up in their bones. Thank you. Jesus. Power flow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Power, power. God, let this be a generation of trailblazers. In the name of Jesus, come forth. Generation of trailblazers. Thank you for women of God that know their worth, know their value. Men of God, great integrity, great faith. Thank you for leaders. Excuse me. Matter of fact, if I pray with you, you can go ahead back to your seat. If I touch you, go ahead back to your seat just to make room for other people. But let's get, hey, y'all who are watching, do you mind just praying in the Holy Spirit and stretching your hands this way and just, let's just keep praying for people. The front line, take one step up, one step up. Everybody on the front line, one step up. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Jesus. Touch right now. Fill them with your spirit and power. I declare the gifts of the Holy Spirit be activated. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, boldness. <clears throat> I declare Daniel generation come forth. The spirit of excellence be upon you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That you stand out in a crowd that everything you touch prospers. In the name of Jesus. I declare revival come forth that you carry revival. <clears throat> I thank you that in the midst of a generation where so many things are questioned about the Bible, about sexuality, I pray holiness and purity be the norm for you. I pray that light begins to shine through you. I pray that every generational curse be broken. Blessed Lord, in Jesus' name. Bless this man of God in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Everybody take one step forward on the front line there. Favor. I declare supernatural favor goes before you in the name of Jesus. I pray that this generation will not believe the lies of the devil. We uproot and cast out every lie against your worth, against your value. The lies that say that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not this enough, you're too black, you're too white, you're too this, you're too that. We cancel those lies and we send them back to hell where they came from. And we declare that you are a righteous generation. We declare that the favor of God is on you and in you. We declare that you're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed in your coming, blessed in your going. Mm. Fireful. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We got a lot of young people here. This is powerful. Everybody, come on, let's keep faith in the atmosphere. Let's keep faith. Y'all step up. Step up. Everybody step up. Don't Let be us become Thank you, Lord. Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. Thank you that they carry revival after Let tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Fire fall. Thank you for your power. Thank you, Lord, for your power. Let us become aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your For a generation of the upright. Thank you for a generation of Esthers, Daniels, Joshua's, Joseph's. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Use them, God. Use them, Lord. Use them, God. Use them, Lord. Use them. Use them, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Use them, God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you,
If you don't mind, I'm done for tonight. I hope that you were blessed tonight. I want to pray for you guys because it's not just the young people that need revival. It's all of us that need revival. And so if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm ready to carry revival, would you lift two hands to the Lord like manna's falling out of heaven? We declare that revival fire fall right now. And as Peter preached the word, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them that heard the word. Do it again and do it now, oh God. It's ours. Open heaven is here. Open heaven is now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen.